Hey y'all! It's a seemingly common experience that many of us have our first paranormal encounters while having childhood sleepovers. Ouija boards, Bloody Mary, light as a feather, stiff as a board, seances, and other mystical activities practiced by innocent kids and teens can sometimes culminate to being a little more than bargained for. Today I have a compilation of stories for you where this is the case. And there's a little twist. The last story in today's episode is my own. I'm Candace, and I'll be your guide. When I was growing up, my family lived in this huge, beautiful, southern-style home. I loved it. I have very good memories there. However, it was the most active home of all that I've lived in since. Very active. But only to my mother and I. My two brothers and my dad never had any experiences. My mother had a couple. I was the only girl in about three when we moved in, and I had a lot. At first, being so young, I didn't think anything of the experiences. I didn't know any better. Later, I'd find out they were not what other people see or interact with normally. I will just tell you all the one that most stands out. One night, I woke up and rolled over. I was barely awake and it was dark in the room. I didn't have a nightlight. There was some black thing lingering at the foot of my bed. I couldn't make it out right then. I sat upright in my bed and tried to make it out. I still couldn't really. So I got on my knees and leaned toward it. Now remember, the whole room is dark, but I can clearly see that there's something there. It's not a figure. It's just suspended in darkness. As I leaned toward it, within two feet or so away, it looks like a hand, but not a hand because it only has three fingers, bent slightly as if they were just hanging there. It had no fingernails, but pointy tips. It wasn't connected to a body either. I just leaned back against my head frame and watched it until I fell back asleep. It never moved. This happened a couple more times, but it seemed to be getting closer to me each time. Then one night, my cousin stayed over and she slept with me. I woke up and rolled over to face her, and it was right there, in my face, hanging directly over her as she slept. It had never been that close before. I was scared, but I could actually reach out and touch it, and I wanted to. I reached my arm out and then pulled it back. I never did touch it. I just watched it until I fell asleep again. That was the last time I saw it. Fast forward ten years. I was helping my mom in the kitchen with supper. As we were talking, that old house came up. I finally told her what I saw and she immediately stopped what she was doing. She asked me more. 
Then she took two pieces of paper out and asked me to draw it. While I was, she was doing something on the other piece of paper. When we both finished, she asked that we swap papers, and we did. She had drawn the same thing. We both just looked at each other in amazement. She told me that when she was little, she'd went to a slumber party. All the girls slept on the living room floor in sleeping bags. She said that she woke up in the middle of the night and saw this claw thing hanging over the girl next to her. She reached out to touch it, and before she did, the girl screamed loudly. Everyone woke up, and the girl was crying and saying someone had pinched her. My mom was accused of doing this. She swore she never would have done such a thing. But this girl had clearly been pinched hard enough to draw blood. I've done some research, and I haven't come up with anything this claw could be. So at the time, I was living in Virginia with my parents and two step-siblings. We'd recently moved into a newly built townhouse development. Our townhouse had three floors in total. The upstairs areas where the bedrooms were located. The living room and the kitchen were on the main floor, and the basement was my sister's bedroom. At the time, I was becoming increasingly interested in the paranormal. I would watch all sorts of ghost shows on television. Eventually, I learned what a Ouija board was. I wanted one, but I knew I wouldn't have the means to buy a real one myself, and I knew my parents would not approve. So I opted to make my own. I created a template on a piece of cardboard, carefully replicating what a real one would look like. For the planchette, I used a plastic, square-shaped lid that was the perfect size. I heard that it wasn't safe to use it by myself, and I didn't have any friends in the area at the time, so I asked my sister if she would try it with me. She was reluctant at first, but after some convincing, she was game. Her uncle had recently passed a few months prior, so we decided to try to contact him. We set the board up in the basement, her bedroom, with a picture of her uncle next to us. We both lightly put our fingers on the makeshift planchette and began to ask questions. Like, Uncle, are you here with us tonight? To both of our surprise, it didn't take long to get a response. The planchette moved to yes with force. At first, I assumed that my sister was messing with me, but soon I would be proved wrong because she started crying really hard. After a few more questions with responses, my sister informed me that she wanted to stop. I don't remember what else we asked because it was so long ago, but I do remember that the planchette would move with haste after every question we asked. We ended by informing her uncle that we were leaving and moving the piece to goodbye. Afterwards, it took some time for my sister to calm down, and I was pretty blown away myself. Strange things started happening to me almost immediately after. After we'd finished using the board, we both went upstairs to calm down and watch TV. Thirty minutes later, I heard a bang come from the basement. I went downstairs to investigate and found that the planchette had been moved from goodbye to no. 
and a picture on the wall had fallen down. This disturbed me, so afterwards I opted to tear up the board and throw it away. After I did this, I assumed that would be the end of it, and for my sister it was. But I didn't know that this was the beginning of months of pure terror for me. I don't know why, but whatever this thing was attached to me. My sister didn't have any odd occurrences afterward. Meanwhile, I started noticing strange things happening. It started small at first. I noticed our family dog would all of a sudden refuse to come into my bedroom. I would pick him up and take him into my room anyways, and when he was in there, he would act very strange. His ears would stick straight up, and his eyes would fixate on a certain corner in my room. He would whine and bark, and occasionally his head would dart around like he was watching something move. Then I was sitting in my room another day on my own. I was watching TV and laughing at the show I was watching. My school binders were sitting all the way at the foot of my bed, and I was sitting at the head, a good distance away. One of my binders slid all the way across my bed and hit me in the arm. This freaked me out, and I informed my parents, but they told me that I was just imagining things. Weird things like this kept happening to me. One time I walked into the kitchen during the day by myself, and a sponge that was sitting on the dining room table suddenly flew across the whole room with force. I continued to experience things like this, and they started to become more frequent. I talked to my sister about it, and she told me that nothing odd was happening for her. I was a mess at the time. I did not want to go home and would often try to go to a friend's house after school instead, which most of the time didn't work out. I talked to my parents again, and go figure, they thought I was making it up for attention. After a little bit of going through it, I had the most terrifying night of my life. This event still sends shivers down my spine when I think of it. It traumatized me, and although I've worked past it for the most part, I still try not to think about it. I've only told a few people in my life about it because it sounds like a straight-up lie. This night was the climax of my experiences. After this happened, the activity completely stopped. One night... I was laying in my bed. It was two or three in the morning and I couldn't sleep, so I was just laying there. My whole family was asleep and the house was completely dark. I slept with my door open at the time, and the only light source was a blue light emanating from the radio in my room. It was just bright enough to illuminate my room. I had my blanket over my head, covering half my face, but I could still see the room from waist height down to the floor. To my horror, as I laid there with my eyes open, a black figure entered my field of vision near the foot of my bed. It was right next to my bed. There was no color on whatever this was. It was a pure pitch black with no obvious features. I was paralyzed with fear. I couldn't scream or move. 
I just laid there as I watched this thing slowly move down my bed until it stopped right in front of my face. I then felt a hand placed on my head through the blanket that was over me. The hand rested there for a second and then began moving in circular motions for a few seconds. Eventually, the hand lifted, and I watched the dark figure slowly move away and then out of the room. This was the last thing that ever happened. After that, it just completely stopped as fast as it started. This whole ordeal has had a huge impact in my life. This is the first time I'm sharing this story. I haven't tried until now because I didn't want to type it out and relive it. But now I'm more curious as to what the hell happened to me and what that thing was. I think that I should also add that aside from anxiety and depression issues, I am mentally sound. I've never experienced hallucinations or delusions, and I know what happened to me was real. What do you think this could have been? Could it have been a demon? I wish I could be more detailed, but it's been so long and I've largely tried to forget about this time in my life. This happened back when I was in college and we had a slumber party full of dudes. We used to hang out together at this one friend's house. We'll call him Ken. Since he had the best internet connection and played League of Legends on our computers together all day long. It was the holidays, so we decided to stay and sleep at Ken's house after a long day of playing League. Five of us fit perfectly in Ken's bedroom. It was one bed and two mattresses, so there were enough spaces for us to comfortably sleep. I woke up in the middle of the night to my phone's alarm. I looked at the time and it was 4am. This was incredibly strange because I remember I didn't schedule an alarm that day, not to mention at such a weird hour. I brushed it off as a mistake, however, because I was extremely sleepy and couldn't bother. I didn't want to wake up the guy, so I quickly turned it off and tried to fall back asleep. Seconds after I closed my eyes, I felt like someone was touching my shoulders. Like I was about to be woken up by this person. I turned around and see a figure sitting next to me. He was whispering, Wake up! You gotta help me, man! I was sure it was one of the dudes, but it was too dark and I was too sleepy to tell which one. I mumbled in my sleep, what? And he said it again, you've got to help me, man, you've got to help me. The second time I heard the voice, my assurance was gone. I couldn't tell who this guy was and actually felt unease and creeped out. I was still too tired and sleepy to do anything, but I remember I mumbled something like, Go back to sleep, dude, and drifted off. In the morning at around 10 a.m., I saw my friends were on the computers already playing League. I went to the toilet and did my morning washing. When I stepped out of the bathroom, I remembered what happened at 4 a.m. last night, and I asked the guys, which of you idiots woke me up last night? After a few seconds, the guys responded, What? Last night, around 4 a.m., one of you woke me up and asked for help or something. What the hell? My friends swore they knew nothing about this and said that I might have been dreaming. Ken suddenly said something about hearing some kind of phone alarm going off, but he fell asleep right after. Knowing my friends, I believe they told the truth. 
Was it a ghost or a spirit that was in need of help? I have no idea. But it was sure a creepy experience when I think about it now. Light as a feather, stiff as a board. Dumb little game. Or so I thought. It was my first sleepover, and it was also my seventh birthday. Everyone came over to my house for the party. After all the festivities, presents, cake, and games, we all settled in for scary stories in our sleeping bags in the downstairs living room. We couldn't decide on who would tell the story, so we decided to play light as a feather, stiff as a board. We were all six- and seven-year-old girls and had watched this witch movie the week before and wanted to be witches. We hyped each other up. We were going to cast spells and make people float. Oh yeah, we were so cool. We all turned the lights down and got in a circle and laid my sister down. We each put three fingers under her and started chanting. It doesn't last the whole three verses. No one can keep a straight face and we all start laughing and joking instead because we're six. I really wanted to make it work, like, really bad. So I convinced everyone to try again on me. The birthday girl. And we are going to be serious and do it in a really, really dark room. They all agreed. They could be serious. They were going to make me float for my birthday. So we headed down to my room to get it ready. Now, my room is pitch black. Door shut. No lights, curtains on the windows, nothing, just black, black, blackness. They all gather around me and put three fingers each under me, whatever, and start chanting. I don't float. I don't even budge. I tell them to be serious and actually chant like they mean it. Come on, make me float. We all start again and we all see it. We all lose our minds. Scream at the top of our lungs and we book it out of there. My poor mom, she had six girls crying hysterically and couldn't get any of us to calm down and tell her what happened. She put us all in her room and went around the house. No one was in the house and all the windows and doors are still locked, obviously. So she comes back and tries to calm us down. My friend Jenna was the first to contain herself enough to get out between sobs that there was a scary shadow man in the room that tried to grab her. We all lose it again, because that is not what we saw. What man? It was a light. A light. We all saw a lightning bolt of green glowing light that flew from within the closed closet door around us and through the bedroom door. Not a man. It took my mom an hour to calm us all down. She finally had to bribe us to stop crying with ice cream. After we were all calm, she lectured us about scary stories and watching scary things on TV and that she didn't want to hear any more. She put us all to bed and we all slept on the floor of her bedroom. <laughs> no one would sleep downstairs or in my room after that. The next morning, Jenna got picked up really early, before breakfast. She had my mom call her mom as soon as she woke up, way before the rest of us did. She never spoke to me again. She avoided me and was just no longer my friend after that. Everyone thought it was weird. Years later, I found her on Facebook and sent her a message. She doesn't remember me and doesn't remember that night, so she says. I've talked to the other girls several times over the years, and we all agree 
that light felt malicious. It scared the crap out of us, and Jenna must have just seen something else that night that we didn't see. One Friday evening, my dad picked me up for our weekend visits. Turning onto the street, we saw multiple fire trucks and ambulances parked outside of the house two doors down from ours. Lights flashing and people moving quickly in all directions. Being 12 at the time, I don't believe my dad wanted me to know what had happened looking back. It would be a few months before I learned what had taken place. A mother and her son came home from an afternoon of shopping. The young boy was the first into the house, excited to show his dad what they'd bought, only to find his father's feet dangling. He'd hung himself, and his body hung through the attic entrance directly in front of the main door. With his childhood ripped out from under him, the traumatized young boy and his mom moved immediately. Months passed and a new family moved in. A father named Paul and his two young twin daughters. Our neighborhood was really tight-knit. Our new neighbors quickly became close friends. After a little while, Paul began commenting on things happening around the house. It would range from taps and footsteps to random handprints forming on the wall to a full-on apparition of a man. This is when I learned about what happened with our previous neighbor. I didn't know anyone had died, and neither did Paul before moving into the house. One evening, the adults wanted to have a couple of beers, so I offered to bring over my GameCube to Paul's and have a slumber party with his kids and the other neighborhood kids. I was 13, and they were between 5 and 9. I was fully aware of the potential haunting, and I jumped on this opportunity to perhaps experience something paranormal. I was strictly instructed by my dad not to mention any ghosts or ask about any occurrences so as not to scare the young twins who lived there. So we sat on the couch in the living room playing Animal Crossing. All five kids and myself. There was absolutely no one else home and everyone was next to me. I should note this house was a cookie-cutter version of mine, just opposite. I knew where all the entrances were and the bathroom was directly to the right of us. As we played, the faucet in the bathroom began to run. My skin crawled, and I wasn't sure if the kids had realized the faucet was on. Not sure of what to do, I kept playing, and after about 30 seconds, one of the girls looks at me and asks, Priscilla, is anyone else in the house with us? No, I said. She was confused and commented that the faucet had turned on in the bathroom. I just looked at her and said, Yup. Respecting my dad's orders of not scaring the kids, I kept my mouth shut and didn't comment on anything else. The faucet turned off, and eventually we all fell asleep. That night around 2 or 3 a.m., I woke up to a pressure. This pressure I would eventually become familiar with, as it would happen when I was in cemeteries or even when someone walked into a room. Without hearing them, I could feel them. It's the same pressure as when you hold your hand three inches from your ear and all the noise is muffled. In the pitch dark room, I couldn't move. The kids were all sleeping around me, so I didn't want to overreact and scare them. I lay there terrified. And this is when I heard the parakeets on top of the fridge in the next room 
as well as the dog in the laundry room began going crazy. Flapping, squawking, and barking caused my blood to run cold. With a loud thud on the ceiling right above my head, all was silent. Looking back, above where I was laying is where the attic entrance was. I couldn't sleep for the rest of the night. The moment the sun rose, I grabbed my games and I ran to our house. My dad sat outside and was surprised I was home so early. I told him of the happenings and he chuckled, exclaiming, Ghosts aren't real, child. You guys remember how Bloody Mary went, right? We always used to play it as kids and maybe even as adults. But something weird happened when I played it a few years back. A few years back, I was living with my parents, me being the 19-year-old that I am. I decided to go ahead and try the Bloody Mary challenge. Word of advice, I've always felt, before Bloody Mary, something watching me. Constantly hearing scratching, hearing taps. All that minus the usual ghost activity. So I had the bright idea to play Bloody Mary while I was home alone. So I did the ritual by turning off the lights, spinning around three times, and every time I spun, I said Bloody Mary. On my third spin, I stopped, and I looked around my bathroom, and I didn't see her, but instead, I saw a shadow. This shadow was big and dark and very very scary. I screamed and I turned on the lights. I tried to do a bit of research on what that shadow could be, and to this day it still haunts my memory. Somehow I didn't get Bloody Mary, but instead a shadow demon or shadow person. This still scares me to this day. Well, y'all, it's about that time. I'd like to tell you about the first paranormal experience of mine that I can recall. Definitely the most memorable one. When I was about 13, like any other little goth kid wannabe, my favorite movie was The Crow. I had this poster hanging proudly in my bedroom throughout middle school. One day I was having a slumber party, myself and three other girls. We had the bright idea to try doing a seance. Since the poster was hanging so prominently and Brandon Lee was fairly recently deceased, we decided to try to summon the spirit of Brandon Lee to talk to us. So here the four of us are, awkward and geeky preteen girls trying to summon this beautiful and famous actor, eagerly looking at his poster and asking questions, hands clasped around candles. Everything you can imagine out of a cringy seance with a bunch of 13-year-olds. After a few questions, we noticed that if we focused very intently, we thought we could almost see his head in the poster shake or nod ever so slightly in response to the questions asked. Now, y'all, this movement was minuscule. Surely just the wishful thinking of four naive kids thinking they were doing something otherworldly. But still, it started creeping us out that we thought we could possibly see responses in front of our very eyes. 
Finally, after several questions and very slight and vague responses, we started feeling very uneasy. I nervously asked, give us a sign if we should really not be doing this right now. And I'm not kidding you. In that moment, his head started shaking no so violently. There was no mistaking it. In the poster, him shaking his head was so exaggerated that his shoulder-length hair was flying outward from his head visibly. And we all screamed. We all screamed and dropped each other's hands. And in that moment, we're absolutely done with our seance, unwilling to tread any further into that territory. One of the girls mentioned that we broke our circle, which was apparently very dangerous to do, as it left room for otherworldly beings to stay in our realm. But not knowing what else to do, we just moved on with the rest of our evening and not really talking about what had just happened. So no, if you're wondering, I don't think we reached the spirit of Brandon Lee. I had a handful of unexplainable occurrences to follow at that house, so it was likely whatever resident spirit popped up from time to time, or I suppose whatever we summoned that night became the resident spirit. But either way, That was the first and the last time I've ever tried to summon anything that was not already present. That's it for today's stories, y'all. Now let's talk about them. I'm not going to doubt or debate the validity of any of these stories. I believe that kids, and to a lesser extent teenagers, are more of a magnet for paranormal experiences. Kids somehow have a gift for seeing things that we can't. A working theory I've got is that it may have something to do with liminal spaces. If you're not familiar, liminal spaces are places of transition, an in-between one certainty and the next. They could be physical or mental. For example, physical liminal spaces are places like hallways, porches, airports, staircases, bridges, an in-between place. An emotional or mental liminal space between two certainties can be things like moving, career change, divorce, graduations, and I believe childhood and the teenage years are liminal spaces. They're the uncertain area between birth or childhood and adulthood, periods of transition that can be naturally really difficult. Paranormal experiences do happen more often when it comes to liminal spaces. How often do you hear stories of a shadow crossing a doorway or hearing something creepy from the woods while you're on your porch? If activity is just higher in physical liminal spaces, it makes sense to me that it's higher in the mental ones as well. Sometimes that activity is paranormal and sometimes it's something that stems from emotional stressors. But without the skepticism of being an adult having these experiences, we have to take them at face value. For instance, with my own story, the the differential diagnosis, to use medical terminology, would be mass hysteria. It's entirely possible that all four of us were just so on edge after getting spooked that we imagined the response we would see in that poster simultaneously. But I'll never know for certain. All I know is that in that moment, 
I am certain of what I saw, and it has stuck with me all these years. Now, before we wrap things up, I'd like to share a really great podcast with y'all that I found recently. Here's Darren from Weird Darkness. Welcome, weirdos. I'm Darren Marlar, the host of Weird Darkness, where I bring you true stories of the paranormal, supernatural, legends, lore, crime, conspiracy, mysterious, macabre, unsolved, and unexplained. Named one of the 20 best storytellers in podcasting by Podcast Business Journal and ranked one of the best true crime and paranormal podcasts by Podcast Magazine. Bolt your doors. Lock your windows. Turn off your lights. And come with me into the Weird Darkness, posted seven days per week. Find Weird Darkness everywhere you listen to podcasts or visit WeirdDarkness.com. As always, though, I want to know what you think. I'd love to hear your creepy sleepover experiences if you have any to share. You can find me at ObscureAppalachia.com and on social media at ObscureAppalachia. If you love the podcast, please leave a review on your podcast provider to help others find me. Thanks, y'all. Until next time. <laughs>